the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. All real man. Look at his ass. Love. Too weak a word. Stay back. I loathe you. I loathe you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight. Best Picture. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 68 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and this week I am joined by friends. Yay! I actually have people on the show. Sorry you had to endure me all by my lonesome last week. We've got Mr. Will Mavity. Hey, guys. We got Michael Schwartz. Thank you to whoever paid the ransom money to get us released. (laughs) And thank you to Mr. Ryan C. Showers, everybody, for being here. Hello, everyone. Uh, The only person that was not able to uh, make it was Deanne. She does send her regards to everyone uh, because this week we're going to be talking a lot about what transpired over the last week in the award circuit realm. We're also going to be talking about our predictions for the Golden Globe and SAG nominations, which will be revealed this week. Probably maybe even for some people that are listening to this, they might have already been announced. We've got trailers to talk about, fan questions to answer. We got some polls uh, to talk about. So... I want to dive right into um, first item of discussion over here, and uh, that is uh, some of the news that we heard this week as it pertains to the awards season. Um, first things first, Annie Awards. Uh, Coco leads in nominations, and I'm, I'm starting to notice now with the precursors um, in the animated fi- uh, film category, two things. One, it's actually not that week of a field you know especially like with the consensus uh five nominees that i'm seeing maybe with the exception of something like the boss baby you know um loving vincent uh the breadwinner lego batman coco like these are pretty strong films overall and i I think that that's a far cry from what we were saying uh just even a few months ago and then the second thing is coco's gonna freaking just sweep everything oh my god (laughs) deservedly so i saw coco since our last episode and it's astonishing yeah i i I, did it make you cry michael oh my god like (laughs) oh my god it's gonna be on my top 10 this year i saw it and i i I lost it i mean multiple times each time the um, remember me was sung i just it was i was a watershed okay and then the other thing too about remember me uh because i brought this up and i I just want to get your thoughts on it am i the only one who thinks that that is not going to win best original song i get why you don't think it will simply because there are like three different versions sung in the movie and none of them is like the definitive version but i think if they market it the right way and the movie's a big enough hit I think it could win when there's no other frontrunner in the category. I still think Sufjan could take it. I really do think Call Me By Your Name, one of, particularly because ultimately I think they're going to end up throwing all their campaign weight behind Mystery of Love. And I think that still really, particularly if they love the film overall, that feels like it could be a winner to me. I'm still sticking with my prediction that uh, Mudbound gets snubbed viciously on Oscar nomination morning, but somehow makes it into original song, <laughs> Mary J. Blige, Mighty, Mighty River. And then it becomes like a Selma situation where it's like, oh, well, this is a way to reward Blige, the movie, and it just checks off all these bo- boxes, I think. 
But Selma's song was really good, and it was it would have won had the film gotten a nomination for Ava DuVernay and David Oyelowo and so on and so forth. But this is like a very similar uh, type of song, you know, in terms of its genre. Would you agree? I guess. Uh, but is it know. of the same? Und- I haven't listened to it yet. Is it of the same undeniable quality? Because when I heard that Selma song, you know, like God, that was three years ago now. Yeah, December. I, I immediately was like, oh, okay, this is winning. I, I actually saw a Facebook on and this And it has day that line. Posted. It has the walk through Ferguson with her hands up. Yeah, I was like, yep, yep, that's winning. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, their original song is like the one category that the critics don't ever tend to like help us with. So uh, it's very tough to know this early. I think Remember Me will be iconic enough or it will be remembered enough from the movie. <laughs> like it's hammered into us enough that I think voters will tend to that even though it's not a let it go sensation on the radio 24 7 type of song the only song that has shown up at multiple critics groups so far is stand up for something from marshall written by diane warren and actually i think doesn't that have common too who uh you know no it's won not an common, oscar uh but it, it's another big singer i'm just blanking on who it is but yeah, that could definitely show up. Okay, so um, you know, so Coco going to probably sweep all the animated awards right now. This uh, stage in the game at this moment, it has currently won four. It's won uh, Boston Online, National Board Review, New York Film Critics Circle, and Washington. So uh, I don't think anything is going to mount a campaign to uh, take it at this point. So you could kind of pretty much pencil that in. Uh, another film that had a really big week. This week was uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Get Out won Boston Online. It won Washington as far as Best Picture was concerned. And then it also topped, shockingly, I would say, the sight and sound list of the best films of the year, landing at number one. And I say shockingly because uh, this is a group that tends to skew uh, foreign, uh, very obscure, very heavy independent, doesn't really go for big uh, gigantic like hits at the box office or um, even sometimes a uh, genre specific you know like the ho- in the horror genre here but I do think that there is a lot of social uh, social and political commentary within this movie that it definitely appeals to the highbrow critics as we are seeing oh absolutely I was recently listening to an interview with a film intellectual who was saying that like this community views get out as the new wave in America like the French new wave brought to North America. I think that's I think that's a little much, no? No, just the way that it balances genre and social relevance in a way that we haven't seen done here in ages, if ever. Michael, I heard that same interview and I was like and I actually I I, I understand where Matt's coming from because that was my reaction when she first said it. Um, but it does kind of make sense when you think about it, um, without the horror genre m- mixed in there. I, I, I get that. I, I, I mean, I understand it. I just feel like there have been other films before that have had a social message tied into genre before. I, I Like, to me, this is nothing extraordinarily new other than the fact that it seems to be the right film at the right time. Well, also, so one thing I will say is I went to a Q&A this week um, that was – you know, specifically in awards screening and Q&A of the film, most of the people in there were voters. And Jordan Peele, I think, is the difference, too, because he knows how to really present the social commentary to people in ways that maybe filmmakers in the past haven't. I don't mean on the film. I mean, when he talks about it, you know, one thing he mentioned was that the sunken place is designed to look like a movie theater. And that you're um, it's for people of color screaming at the screen. Um 
and never being represented, never see feeling like what they say and care about um, impacts what happens on the screen, you know? So he's able to play up these things and he's working the circuit. Like I, I, I think in you, you had that video you released of him answering all those questions. I think Jordan Peele is what is making the difference. Oh yeah. He's campaigning the heck out of it. I agree completely. Um, my theory right now, is I don't believe, and some people are arguing with me about this a lot lately, I don't think both Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele are being nominated for director uh, because they're both two solo debuts within the same year, and I I just don't like the odds of that. With that said, I do believe whichever one of them misses out on a director nom, I think that one is the one that wins screenplay of the two. I mean, it's going to be between two of them for original screenplay, and I think they'd want to reward both of them somewhere if possible. And in one of them, it'll be the nomination is the reward, and the other one will pick up the win. No? Maybe. I don't know. I've, I, I know I've been um, like very loud about, um, the, about my prediction for Greta Gerwig not being nominated for Best Director, but... Uh, in, in the recent days, I've kind of gotten on the train, and I think both of them are in my overall predictions. And I know, Matt, you're saying the odds aren't extremely great, um, but I don't know. I, I think that the way that the race could coalesce, it, I think they could happen to fall in. But I think Jordan Peele stands a better chance of being nominated for a director than than her. You think? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I've started seeing people list Lady Bird as the front runner for Best Picture. I don't personally think it is, but it's certainly probably a top five contender. And if it is a top five contender, by definition, she's probably getting a Best Director nomination. I want to ask this question really quickly. Has anyone here considered a world where Get Out wins Best Picture? No. No. So nobody sees a path for it. I think the nomination and maybe screenplay is the reward. That okay. So once you conclude that though, um, do we? I, I mean, my my feeling is this with Lady Bird uh, and you know Get Out right now. I, I think that for Lady Bird to uh, win Best Picture, it needs to do uh, what we were saying about Moonlight last year, where it needs to get in where it needs to get in. It needs to get editing. Needs to get director. Needs to get screenplay. We know it's going to get acting. Um. So I, I've been doing this game lately where I, I play scenarios for, okay, if you think Get Out's winning Best Picture, what else does it win? Where else does it get nominated to show that strength and support? Uh, same thing with Lady Bird. Same thing with Shape of Water. Um, I've been doing it with literally almost every single contender right now because I, I've i done it with The Post. My problem with The Post is I don't see The Post taking screenplay, and the only other win I could see coming along with it is Meryl Streep. So... When I see Meryl in the in the film winning Best Picture, I go, hmm, wait a minute. Like, I, I, I start to lean more towards the idea that The Post is going to win Best Picture and that's it more so than uh, Streep in the film. You know what I mean? Why would Spe- – if, if The Post is beloved enough to win Best Picture, why would they not give it to Spielberg? Yes, he already has two Oscars, but – you know, it, it looks like his direction, as usual, is fairly flashy mm-hmm. and – Well, here's my answer to that, Will, actually, about the Spielberg thing, because I thought about this, too. We're no longer in sweep years anymore where one film wins, like, seven Oscars. We are definitely in an academy now that likes to make sure that every film that gets nominated for Best Picture tries to go home with something. And I think that's especially true this year. You had the preferential ballot changing things, too. Exactly. 
I, and I and I do wonder um, because when I look at like the reviews that the post has versus the reviews that something like Lady Bird has, I start to like wonder in my head: Does Lady Bird have more of a general consensus that it will place higher on people's uh, ballots than the post will? Is the post a middle of the road film um, where Lady Bird is definitely like the post, probably a number one film, but Lady Bird also gets more twos and threes in the post? I don't know, you know, but. Uh, it seems to me like that, that is the route it is going right now. I I, um, I don't know. I need to see the guilds and, you know, Greta needs that DGA nomination. You know, it's like it, there is so much right now that can happen where mm-hmm. – and, and I'll get to this. We'll get to this in a bit. And I'm not going to talk about it more now. So I'll save it for later. I think this is a year where the SAG Ensemble rule breaks. Yeah. I really do. So uh, let's move on to, to the next topic. Overall, a good week for uh, Get Out. Now, we also had uh, more stuff kind of get whittled down a little bit to give us a clearer picture of what's going on in the race. So, for example, shortlists. Uh, we had the best documentary shortlist announced. Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, Chasing Coral, City of Ghosts, Ex Libris, New York Public Library, Faces Places, Human Flow, Icarus, An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power, Jane, LA-92, Last Men in Aleppo, Long Strange Trip, One of Us, Strong Island, and Unrest. So of these, that's a pretty crazy short list. Yeah. So of these fifteen uh, films here, has anyone uh, kind of like you know with their predictions concluded what they think will be the final five? I have somewhat of a, somewhat of an idea from these. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Faces Places, Jane, Icarus, City of Ghosts, and Strong Island. You know that Strong Island wind at the Gotham's uh, made me consider it pretty heavily as well. I have to say, you, you don't think Frederick Wiseman can go all the way? No, I'm shocked that he got shortlisted to begin with because that never happens. And his movies, I mean, this is a three and a half hour documentary about the New York public library system. Didn't stop OJ and Made in America. <laughs> yeah, but that was about OJ. OJ. Uh, so were we shocked by some of the omissions here, though? Yeah, there's no step. Uh, there's no Keddy. There's no uh, Jim and Andy, the great beyond. Cries from Syria. Cries from Syria, like I was stuck. Like some of these, I thought Keddy could have gone on to win the whole thing, a la March of Ping, March of the Penguins, just because it was so accessible and crowd pleasing. People love cat videos. Just, I, I was shocked some of these missed. Well, even if it isn't March of the Penguins, I don't know if any of you have seen Jane. But I think that could be a spoiler for the win, having seen it. It's got the Washington and National Border Review right now, but. Faces Places is currently leading, though. Uh, it's got Boston Online, uh, Los Angeles, and New York Film Critics Circle. I mean, more than enough time for Jane, though, to take the lead. I have it as the predicted winner at the moment. I just think it's going to be a race between those two. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement there. Everyone in agreement there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will, I know you love this. Uh, visual effects race is officially narrowed down to 20 films right now. Uh, obviously, there'll be a final five that comes of these. I, I didn't see necessarily um, any omissions that were shocking enough that were in anyone's original predictions. So I'm, um, you know, I think our our all of our predictions still stand at the moment. But I'm just curious, what does everyone have winning best visual effects uh, as of today? I think if it can get past the Bake Off, Dunkirk will win just because they vote for the film down the line. Agreed. Its biggest battle is getting nominated. Why am I still holding out for uh, War for the Planet of Apes and Blade Runner 2049 here? Because you like them. 
no, I, 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 I objectively believe that they have the best visual effects of the year. I don't think Dunkirk has any. Oh, I, I, I agree, but it's not about what has the be- Hugo probably had the fourth best effects of 2011. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, then, it, then the question becomes: Are, are we going to just have another ex machina you know, scenario? <laughs> oh God, with something that would be insane. I don't think so. Well, that would be like Okja. Yeah, I, I actually think Okja can go all the way. I really do. That would be amazing if it did. It's totally deserving. Uh, also, we got it. We got to ask the the elephant in the room question: uh, If Star Wars: The Last, Je- Last Jedi, after um, you know reactions were just posted last night is as great as everyone says it is. I mean, this film came really, really close the year that Ex Machina ended up winning. Do we think that Last Jedi can take something? I mean, sure, it can. It could take this, yeah. But, they, you know, a Star Wars film hasn't won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically since, yeah, technically since The Empire Strikes Back, because it's uh, Return of the Jedi one was a special achievement Oscar. So... Since 1980, a Star Wars film has not won the won an Oscar. I, I think, honestly, unless it does something really different with its visual effects, it's not going to take that. Same with its sound mm. and its score. You know? Yeah. I don't see it winning anything. I I actually have um, Blade Runner as my predicted winner as of this point. Um, it will if Dunkirk is nominated. I I guess I'll have to change it over, but I'm sticking with Blade Runner firmly. Until something happens with Star Wars or Dunkirk, but all right. Uh, another uh, field that got a little narrowed down a bit here was uh, with the WGA awards. So um, <laughs> those, uh, you know, tend to exclude uh, films sometimes that make it very fun <laughs> to uh, figure out what their nominations are going to be. Maybe like Stronger or something like that. <laughs> Lone Survivor. Everyone remembers that one. Um, you know. So there are some inclusions there that, uh, you know, can be interesting because of what they leave out. So uh, these are the films that we know will not be nominated by the WGA. We know that um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Coco, Breathe, Darkest Hour, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is uh, the biggest one, I would say, here, are not going to be eligible for the WGA. And then uh, in the adapted category, we know Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool and Victorian Abdul. Uh, will not be in there. So I, I'm of the belief now at this point, uh, once this happened, it's like, all right, there goes uh, three billboards, last shot at gaining any kind of momentum. I now no longer have it winning a screenplay as a result. I mean, I'm sure you guys got off that train well, well before I did. but Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, so that was really interesting. That was, uh, that was fun. Uh, next up. We have uh, two very, very big announcements that helped to shape our perception of where the race is heading. Uh, and those were the Critics' Choice Awards nominations and the AFI Top 10 list of 2017. Um, I want to stick with Best Picture first because there was an overlap of nine of the 10 films. Critics' Choice had Darkest Hour, where AFI Top 10 had Wonder Woman. Uh, I guess the question then becomes now. You know, we know there's not going to be 10, so is it very easy to just take out those two and say, okay, this is our nine? Honestly, I still think Darkest Hour could definitely pull off a nomination. I think it's going to continue to underperform among critics groups, 
But just because the Academy is diversified doesn't mean it's gotten rid of its class of old school voters who adore things like Darkest Hour. You know, and I think it's going to be one of those kind of like Bridge of Spies a couple years ago where the film underperforms throughout the... Because remember, Bridge of Spies, until we got to the guilds, basically was not showing up. And I think this will be a similar instance. And then all of a sudden, we're going to get to the guilds, and it's going to make PGA. And I think it still has a very strong chance of getting in. I agree. Wonder Woman, I don't think we'll get in. The fact that it didn't even qualify for AFI, that says a lot. It's British. Yeah, Mm -hmm. agreed. But if Darkest Hour does get in, then then you're looking at uh, possibly, you know, 10 films, which can't happen. So which one then would you drop off to include it, let's say? You mean for Best Picture, what would the nine nominees be then? Yeah, uh, if you if let, let's go with the hypothetical that Darkest Hour does get into Best Picture, which one of the other films then would you drop? Because we know we're not going to get ten nominees. Well, from the AFI, I would get rid of uh, Wonder Woman and the Big Sick and add yeah. Darkest Hour. I'm starting to think that Big Sick has momentum where I previously did not think it did. I wish it real, or I hope that it happens. Like that would be amazing. But I just think part of that is critics who love the movie and then AFI, you know, you have a mix of different industries. I think at the end of the day, the big sick is just going to miss, but I hope I'm wrong. I think there's a huge difference between critics and um, the guilds. And I think the big sick won't do as well with um, the bigger guilds. Well, let's ask this question then. If big sick makes PGA, uh, will you guys refake that or is still still no? Probably no, but maybe. You know, it's tough to say. It, it really is. Because we know it's going to get Golden Globes, you know, nominations. This we know. We know Holly Hunter will appear at SAG, probably. I mean, I don't know. She <laughs> seemed, it's amazing how, like, over the last uh, two weeks, uh, we've literally now, with supporting actress, have concluded that Holly Hunter is just as safe, probably, as Metcalf and Channy at this point. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, she's showing up everywhere. So, I, I, I don't know. Um, I will admit that that is one of the big question marks i think the true test of the big sick is whether or not you believe it can get into original screenplay and see i just don't think it can i think the the race is too tight and there are too many other um more academy friendly films but watch maybe the big sick will surprise everyone and get a sag nomination um this week and that'll be its ticket in i don't know an ensemble nomination for the big sick could definitely happen Original screenplay for the Critics' Choice was uh, The Shape of Water, Lady Bird, The Post, Three Billboards, Get Out, and The Big Sick. Um, assuming that R5 is in there somewhere, I am starting to think, and this is just my own perception right now, uh, mind you, I'm starting to think the two weakest ones there are Shape of Water and maybe The Post. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom two. So I... I I don't know. Oh, my God. I, I'm seeing the post tomorrow, guys. Oh, well. So I will finally, finally, finally have hopefully some answers um, because this whole – another thing that's kind of throwing me off a little bit is this whole Tom Hanks and Best Actor thing. I don't buy it. Uh, Just because yet. he hasn't been nominated in a while? Correct, yes. Well, you think about it. I think people are so quick to say, oh, the Academy doesn't like Tom Hanks. Well, go back to 2013 with Captain Phillips. He, he got in everywhere. Everyone thought it was a sure thing. But the other thing was, that was such a strong year that mm-hmm. somebody was bound to miss out. So it's not like they were going, oh, Tom Hanks, we can't nominate him. It was just so incredibly competitive that he just happened to be the one that missed. My, my, my issue is that 
I'm expecting to go into this and expecting the work to be better than Bridge of Spies. Um, not better than Captain Phillips because that was a really competitive year, but I'm expecting it to be better than Bridge of Spies. And that's the thing that will, in my mind, go, okay, if I conclude that I think he's better in this than he was in that, then I'll feel better about including him. But if it's like of the same level of quality or um, just in my subjective opinion, lesser, then... Um, I'll, I'll be hesitant. I think that's a realistic expectation of yours. I said this is even weaker than 2015, which yeah. makes it easier for him to get in. I don't know. They did uh, put in Brian Cranston and, Tr- and Trumbo, so I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, that was great. But Matt, I think that's a pretty realistic expectation, though, that he'll fall between Bridge of Spies and Captain Phillips and for this role. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you're fine. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I, I currently will say that... Um, I don't uh, – we'll, and we'll we'll talk about more about this in a minute. I don't believe – no, I don't have him getting into SAG. So – Because you have Daniel Kaluuya instead, am I right? <laughs> funny. Funny, Will. Uh, <laughs> uh, was there anything else with Critics' Choice, though, that um, kind of surprised you or anything like that? I know, I know Will, uh, you were quick to mention uh, Patrick Stewart showed up for Logan and Supporting Actor. There and it's with several other groups. You know, I'm, I'm not obviously – going to let myself buy into the hype that he could happen as a nominee. But what I do think could happen is because the TV voters there that he also shows up at SAG. And I think that's as far as he goes this season. But I think there's a good chance he gets a su- surprise SAG nomination this week. And he, I mean, the critics groups are coming to bat for him. He's gotten nominated now, I think, by four. So, you know, he's... I'm glad people are remembering it, and I've been burned too many times by genre performances I thought could be nominated for Oscars that didn't, so I'm not going to predict him, but yeah, that was such an inspired choice, and Tiffany Haddish is showing up everywhere too, and she showed up there too for an atypical performance. I know Michael Schwartz is a big fan of that one, right? (laughs) I think she's fine. I really think it's a funny performance, and I think people took what I said out of context last week. I just was surprised that she's going this far and don't necessarily consider it awards-worthy work. That's all. Uh, In that same category, though, what did surprise me, or not surprise, but just confirm some uh, suspicion that I had since September, Octavia Spencer showed up here and a few other awards this week for The Shape of Water. Still not buying it. I mean, Michael, once you see the film, she she literally just plays Octavia Spencer. I mean, she's good at playing Octavia Spencer, but she doesn't even have she doesn't have a big scene at all. She doesn't get to cry, she barely gets to yell. I mean, So then why is she showing up at all these awards? Because people Because it's a because, weak field. <laughs> well, and people just like Octavia Spencer. But So regardless of whether or not it's deserved, do you still think she could show up at Oscars if no. she keeps popping up here? I think she could. I don't think she will. Well, do you at least have her top 10 match? Of course I do. It's a weak field. Yeah, okay, well, then there's still a world. Yeah, but uh, I, what? You cling on to all the, all the people in your bottom fives? I, I, mm. Everyone in the top ten, I think, has a legitimate chance. <sighs> all right. Well, Hung Chow showed up for downsizing your critic's choice. I want to just throw that out there, too. That could happen at SAG, too. No, why SAG? Golden Globes, if anything, not SAG. I think it could happen at both, but SAG, you have this... Uh, Remember, not everybody votes for the SAG nominations. There's Jesus Christ, see the film first, is what I say. (laughs) The buzz on that movie is dead. Dead. Unless if it makes killer box office in December. Which it will not. Oh, you you don't think so at all? Oh, that's going to tank. No, it's going to do horribly. I'm still... I'm. I still 
feel like there are people, um, like middle-aged people and uh, elder people that are, you know, interested in seeing Matt Damon. The same ones who saw Suburbicon. Ah! Right. Right. Okay. (laughs) That was was good. I say this as someone looking forward to the movie, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Best Actress. Jessica Chastain keeps popping up from Molly's game. Um, I have a strong feeling she'll show up at Globes. Um, do we think she – here's the thing with Best Actress. I think we're all in agreement that, like, our five is possibly Sally, Francis, Margot, Saoirse, Merrill. Anyone see a world where Jessica Chastain bumps somebody out and it's like, oh, God. Not this time. I Christian don't. Bale for Tom Hanks scenario. I think if someone gets shockingly bumped out, it's going to be by someone unexpected. Like like a Daniela Vega or something. I don't think it's going to be Chastain to do. Or like Marion Cotillard in, um, for two days, one night. That's like exactly something. what I was yeah. thinking yeah. of. Yeah, you know, something that hasn't really shown most of the season, but it's not going to be Chastain. No. Okay. All right, cool. I'm glad that we're uh, somewhat in agreement there. Uh, what else kind of happened at Critics' Choice that made us open our eyes? Oh, guys. Wonder an adapted screenplay. Yeah. That was interesting. I mean, honestly, as weak a field as that is, and if that film, you know, ends up over the course of the next few weeks doing a decent box office, I I don't see why that doesn't happen. You know, it's clearly a crowd pleaser. It got pretty good reviews. I, yeah, it could happen. Yeah, it's doing extraordinarily well right now. Like it's a bit, I think it's going to hit a hundred million this weekend. Because what what else gets? I mean, Last Flag Flying is dead. Um, I I really don't think that's getting. It needed to do at least kind of well at the box office, and it tanked. So I don't think it's getting in there. It only expanded to a hundred screens nationwide. I think. Yeah. Okay. So that's their fault. But regardless, it did. It tanked. I mean, it it did not do well. So, and I've noticed that Amazon is campaigning the shit out of the big sick. They're even campaigning a lot for Wonder Wheel, which is like a 33 and Rotten Tomatoes. They're barely campaigning for Last Flight Flying. So, I, I think it's out. I don't think Wonder Woman could get the nomination. Notice we're going with the Wonders here. Uh, for adapted screenplay. So, all the money in the world, maybe if it turns out to be really, really good. But I, I mean, to be seen. That, that final slot seems wide open. That seems ripe for Wonder. What do you guys think about the beguiled for that last spot? That's what I have right now. That could happen that too. Could definitely as a way to revo- reward Coppola, just you know. Yeah, it, it could happen. That could happen. All the money in the world, like Will was saying, Lost City of Z, Wonder. Um, I I think it's going to be one of those. So, yeah, that's it's that's tough. I mean, that, like that last slot of adapted screenplay is going to be really, really tricky for sure. Um, another thing I wanted to call out with Critics' Choice here in terms of tech awards um, is anyone else really uh, kind of surprised that the score for Blade Runner twenty forty nine um, is getting mentioned alongside uh, Dunkirk as well? Because that would be two nominations then for Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I'm very surprised. Pleasantly so. I'm not surprised at this point. I think um, going forward, you know, maybe I'll be a little, uh, I'll be a little less surprised. But I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. And everyone heard that little snippet of Johnny Greenwood's uh, score from Phantom Thread, right? Yes, and I think mm-hmm. it, it was bat- going to battle the Shape of Water throughout the season for the win. I mean, it definitely. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I don't know which one of those two to pick right now, but. 
um, as I was saying before, from a scenario standpoint, I did play a little game of, oh, what if Shape of Water wins, uh, you know, score, production design, actress for Sally Hawkins, Guillermo del Toro for director, am I really not going to pick it for picture? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, and it's, it's worth noting um, – Del Toro, I believe, has the most critics group mentions for director of anyone thus far. So if there's a world where the guilds really go for the shape of water that he and the picture as a whole could end up as the front runner. Can we also talk about the possibility of it winning cinematography? Yes. Yeah, I think it could happen. I do think it could happen. I really do. There's a world. You know, somebody said to me the other day, how are we even discussing the possibility of Blade Runner 2049 not winning cinematography? And I wrote back, uh, you know, two films, Dunkirk and The Shape of Water. I'm like, it's it's going to be one of these three films that, that wins. And... Uh, we've seen Guillermo del Toro uh, win uh, a cinematography award before with Pan's Labyrinth, which, which shockingly defeated Children of Men, which swept the whole season, was kind of like the critical consensus. So it, it very well could occur um, there, but uh, I, I still don't know yet. <laughs> I really don't know. It, that's that's really tricky. And, and then last thing I will uh, throw out there uh, as far as – oh, oh, two last things. Do we think Rachel Morrison's going to become the first female cinematographer to be nominated uh, for Mudbound? Yes, I do. She She's doing very well in the Critics' Awards, and obviously that doesn't necessarily translate, but I think that narrative is really, really going to help her. And on top of that, Netflix, the two most campaign films I've seen this year as far as just advertising are The Boss Baby, God Help Us, and Mudbound. And... I think that has to pay off somewhere, and this area where they have a narrative seems as good as any. So, and also, it helps. The film is really pretty to look at. Last but not least, uh, uh, some of us were worried it was not going to possibly maybe go all the way. Um, Is everyone else feeling a little bit better about Baby Driver getting a Best Editing nomination? Oh, yes. Absolutely, and I'm so glad. Hopefully, it gets a Sound Mixing nomination as well, too. Yep. Okay, we'll move on from uh, the Tech Awards uh, for a minute here. Uh, we talked about AFI, and we're going to now, uh, at some point, get into Golden Globe and SAG uh, predictions. But before we do get to that, I want to uh, just talk about a trailer first. Uh, let's look at Lynn Ramsey's uh, next film starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this film uh, debuted at Cannes earlier this year where it won Best Actor and Best Screenplay. It is called You Were Never Really Here and is going to be released in the spring of 2018. Let's take a look at that one. I'm going to ask you some questions. How many are there? One guy inside the front door, second guy on the top floor. After the tone, please leave a message. It's done. Man called, and he wants to see you right away. State Senator Albert Vato. His teenage daughter's missing. What's the lead? He got an anonymous text with an address. I've heard of these places. They said you were brutal. I can be. I want you to hurt them. Get up, can you hear me? My name is Joe. 
It's okay, come here. Close your eyes. Where are you going? Taking your dad. Why did the film end up getting delayed to 2018? Because I know... It wasn't delayed. I think people were just assuming it was going to come out this year. Why was it not... In a weak Best Actor field like this, why was the Cannes Best Actor winner not released? I have a theory. Okay. I I, I think this is... um, I think this is only God Forgives territory. Yeah, I, I could definitely. Oh, yeah. You guys remember that one with with uh, Ryan Gosling? Yeah, horrible dialogue. But the reviews are good. Uh, yeah, I think critically the reviews are good. I, I think the studio thinks that this can't play well to a, you know, a, a, a typical audience. And thus, it was never going to be a major Oscar contender. And thus, they said, you know what, let's just put it in the spring. It could probably just do really well in limited release at the art house box office. We can possibly uh, get a profit from it. We'll see how far this goes. You know, they're just dumping it, really, is what it comes down to. I definitely think that because it's being released that early, um, they don't have any awards aspirations for it. Or it's just a big screw-up on their part, and it could be one of the films that makes it all the way till the end of next year, you know, uh, which would be very bizarre, to say the least. But uh, two things that I noticed in this uh, trailer is that it very much looks like a Lynn Ramsey film, <laughs> like visually speaking, at least. And uh, it, it definitely has a lot of graphic content in it that is making me, you know... You know, one of the one of the things I heard about it uh, coming out of Cannes was uh, this was a slower paced drive, hmm. and we all know how audiences reacted to the pacing of Drive. <laughs> so, you know, take that for what you will. In the end, right? Fuck! Somebody say something. <laughs> uh, there's really nothing to say here. It just seems like, you know, your typical Cannes favorite that some critics like, other people hate. Uh, like that Ryan Gosling movie, Lost River, you know, it just has a very deliberate tone that some will take to, some won't. Man, I've never even seen Lost River. Neither have I. I just know that it's... Oh, that is a bizarre film. Fan questions. Let's uh, get some of those out of the way right now really quickly. Uh, I, don't, I want to avoid any SAG or Golden Globe ones. So, oh, here's a great one. Film Guy 619. What is one previous acting nomination that you would consider an example of a coattail nod Two words, Ryan Gosling, La La Land, everybody. <laughs> no. Yes, sir. No, 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 yeah. No. Yes. Kind of, yes. sort of, but he's going to Remember when Matt was predicting that to miss, too? Like, up to the bitter end, if I remember yeah. correctly. All the way to the end. Are we just talking riding the coattails for, like, an Oscar nomination or for the whole season? Because that's what Ryan did. He showed up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about 
uh, I suppose, for the nomination. I mean, uh, I'll give some more examples here. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Crazy Heart. Jackie yeah, Weaver. Jesus Jackie Christ. Weaver for Silver Jackie Lining's Weaver is the playbook. queen of this category. And I love right. Silver Linings Playbook. Like, I love that you got in for that. Hey, I got some crab cakes, everybody. <laughs> Crabby snacks and homemade. Uh, Crabby snacks. Um... Oh, God. There are some more of these. She's very good, but Laura Dern and Wild. Oh, Alan Arkin in Argo. Uh, uh, who... Shit, what's his name from The Aviator? Alan, Alan Alda. Alda. Alan Alda, yep, for The Aviator's yeah, one. Both of the Alans. Um, I'm just trying to think of any more I can really think of here. Like, I think one is um, Queen Latifah in Chicago. Yeah. And John C. Riley, of course. Well, John C. Riley was having a great year, and they yeah. wanted to give him something. He was in three of the five Best Picture nominees. Can we? Uh, I, I I don't know. Uh, you know, this is one that maybe uh, sort of comes to mind a little bit here. What about like Jim Broadbent for Iris? No, no, he's good no. no, he's another one. He's having a great year. You know, they wanted to reward him in general because he was also in Moulin Rouge, and that's arguably a lead role that they just crammed into supporting. I think he more won because it was just flagrant category fraud. Mm. Okay. Well, that's fair. In any event, though, uh, cool cool question to think about regardless there. Uh, ready. So critics' choice uh, question here from Richard Houlihan, uh, Rich Hulsey at 1991. Which of the seven Best Director nominees of Critics' Choice do you predict will miss out on an Oscar nomination? That's a good question. We, we were just talking about this off air the other day. So of the seven nominees here, let's just read down, we have Guillermo del Toro, Greta Gerwig, Martin McDonough, Christopher Nolan, Luca Guadagnino, Jordan Peele, and Steven Spielberg. I think McDonough definitely misses. Yep, I yeah, agree. I would take him off. Yeah, McDonough misses. And then it's a question of between, I would say, Gerwig, Peele, and Spielberg, one of them missing. Yeah. I know it's risky to say Spielberg misses, but... I don't know. I think the other two are just so strong and people want to reward them in that category. They'll get more passion votes. They'll get more number ones, you know, when they're on the initial ballots. Yeah. See, I have a theory totally outside of Critics' Choice that Luca Guadagnino misses too and Sean Baker makes it in. I could see that too. Yeah, it's a possibility. Like a Ben Zeitlin almost. No comment. I can't. I just, I I can't right now. It's just too tough. (laughs) And Sean Baker has been showing up quite a bit. He has. He oh, my God. Yeah. in New York. He's shown up at uh, New York, the satellite, Detroit, San Francisco. I mean, he is doing well. I am starting to think that Sean Baker is a um, – uh, the guy who directed Foxcatcher, Bennett Miller. It is a – I, I still think the film gets picture. But what I'm getting at is like I think picture director Defoe and – Baker's maybe the name that it's like on the cusp, but nobody's fully like predicting it. And then it's like, oh shit, he showed up. You know what he I mean? Like that. Me of Lenny Abramson. Yes. To me, that's a very academy thing to do to go for uh, Baker here. So, right. It's a very narrow director's branch who has a keen eye in looking at uh, some obscure work. Right. So, like with that said, then I, I would think Nolan, Del Toro, Baker. I'm sorry, but I'm taking out Peel. I'm going to leave in Greta and Spielberg. Yeah, that those last three fluctuate. Yeah. Uh, John Anz, uh, Anzalone uh, writes, Hey, Matt and company. 
Anyone wished the Oscars would vote for winners similar to how the BAFTA used to vote years ago. Each branch voted for nominations in their own categories, then picked the winners for only their own categories. But for acting and picture, the entire Academy uh, voted for those wins. It could make things more unpredictable, yet still offer up some totally valid wins. Any thoughts on that? I think it'd be interesting. Um, I don't don't have a problem with how the Academy uh, votes, because if last year uh, proved anything to me, it's that they actually understood the difference between sound editing and mixing and like, you know, uh, costume design going to Fantastic Beasts. It's like, you know what? Yeah. okay, I I get it like that. That definitely should win. You know, there was a lot of things last year in the tech categories where I felt, objectively speaking, the best uh, possible winners won, except for Hexar Ridge and editing. I still think La La Land should have won editing, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I uh, and I don't know if that was because of the new voting turnover or what, but it was the first time they did seem, even if they weren't my choices, they did seem to understand the categories. Also showed for the first time we don't, or I guess the second year in a row we aren't the guilds aren't going to tell us what we need to know on that front. So. This one comes from uh, Je- Jeff Ron, no, Jeff, Jeff Rowe, NYC, Jeffrey Robinson. Uh, Ryan, I know you're going to like this one. I get that Mother underperformed at the box office, but how can Jennifer Lawrence not be getting any nods for her amazing performance? It is blowing my mind. Well, I mean, you know, the quality set is should be set aside from the realistic reaction to the film. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate that such a, you know, I think she's perfect in the film. Like, such a perfect performance is going to miss out. And it's odd because she's, you know, been on such a steamroll since Silver Linings Playbook. But it's just a victim of circumstance and film genre and the way everyone reacted to the film. I agree. Uh, Brent Leone at Fake Brent Leone. Many have attributed the lack of box office success for Blade Runner 2049 to the original being only a cult hit. So why did The Room proliferate in anticipation for the disasters while Blade Runner and its sequel were left in the acid rain? Uh, that's an easy answer for me. Uh, the Room and the disasters are crowd pleasers, while Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 are art house films that don't appeal to a wider audience. No doubt. Plus, The Room is more than just a cult favorite. Like That's a sensation in a way, with these sold-out midnight screenings around the country. So when there's talk of the disaster artist happening, you're going to have not only those people who go to see The Room and have fun at events like that, but also the people who like James Franco, the people who like Judd Apatow comedies, the people who like Hollywood comedies, whereas Blade Runner just has more of a niche audience. And, you know, I I was thinking about this the other day, uh, about The Room in general, that taken as it is, and, you know, if I had to view it as a drama, it's easily one of the worst films ever made if not the worst if somebody says to me hey you got to watch this comedy film and i just only and i had the context like i never knew anything about this and just somebody said to me this guy made a movie deliberately like terrible so that it would be funny you know and i didn't know the true story that it was supposed to be uh, very dramatic i would think that this film is like a 10 out of 10 masterpiece like one of the greatest comedies of all time like if he's making it intentionally bad correct okay yeah you know what I mean? Because I've watched it again recently uh, with a buddy of mine, and it is hysterical just because of how bad it is. I, 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 Oh, my God. Just some of the line readings. Well, it's like the witnesses in the beginning of the movie talking about how they would have been on set if they had known it was going to be this huge thing and how 
that movie has more ambition than anything else that comes out nowadays. Yeah. Uh, Stephen M. Keller, which up-and-coming director, uh, so he classifies this as directed under three films so far, do you hope wins an Oscar sometime in their lifetime? Ryan fucking Coogler. Yeah, absolutely. He's certainly proven himself with Fruitvale and uh, Creed. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what he does with Black Panther, but yeah, he's a talented guy. Trey Edward Schultz. Yes. Yes. This person isn't an up-and-comer anymore since they've really proven themselves in a some bigger projects, but I would love to see... It. But it's less than three, right? It's, uh... Don't, don't fudge the question here, Michael. I'm trying to think how many she's done. I was going to say Ava DuVernay. Uh, she's done... She's done more than three. Yeah, no, she... I, I, it depends on how you classify 13th. All right, well, if we're talking young career, it's still her. I'm trying to think, three or under. That's tough, just off the top It's of a tough head. question, yeah. Scott Pyle at IU Survivor... In general, how many quote-unquote great movies do you think there are in a given year? Ooh. Uh, I, I would say 20. 20? That's, that's a oh, lot. No. I would, I would say like, like five. Great, like all-time masterpiece or movies that you just think are really enjoyable? Well, let's look at it this way. Um, if we're talking all-time masterpiece, it's less than five. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're just talking great, which I consider right below the level of masterpiece, then yes, I think that widens the field a little bit. Okay, so if we're talking like on a scale of 1 to 10, like 8.5 or above, yeah, I would agree about 15 to 20. So last year, I would say there were nine films I considered great. If we're, I'm, I'm just trying to get an average number. So nine last year, and then I would say about seven the year before that like definitely under 10 per year consistently i don't i don't you have an occasional 2012 type year where there's just a a slew but in general under 10 great films i would say under five i don't know i think that's a big title to carry okay poll time everybody so last week's poll which is your favorite biopic about a controversial figure? We asked this question uh, for the release of I, Tanya. The choices, once again, were The Aviator, Behind a Candelabra, Black Mass, Bugsy, Carlos, Catch Me If You Can, Downfall, Ed Wood, The Fifth Estate, Hoffa, The Iron Lady, J. Edgar, Kinsey, The Last King of Scotland, Malcolm X, Nixon, Patton, The People vs. Larry Flint, Quills, Raging Bull, Sid and Nancy, The Social Network, Steve Jobs, W, The Wolf of Wall Street, and there was a write-in option. So, winning the poll with 21.15% of the vote. Was the rules don't apply. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Any predictions here? Jordan Belfort. I think social network. Social network. And the winner with 21.15% of the vote was the social network. Of course. Mm-hmm. In second place with 16.35%. The Wolf of fucking Wall Street. Yeah. Okay, there we go. There we go. Is Raging Bull in third? And in third place with 12.5%, it was Raging Bull. Good. That should should have been number one. that's, that's That's all how it should have been, too. Guess what shockingly comes in at number four? Iron Lady? No. Iron Lady? No, nobody likes the Iron Lady. It's a great um, performance. 
I do, yeah. Catch me if you can. Oh. Which is a very enjoyable Steven Spielberg effort. Uh, the write-in options are phenomenal. Uh, you know, we have Lawrence of Arabia, Monster, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, The Motorcycle Diaries, The ba- uh, the, uh, uh, the Bader-Meinhof Complex, and my favorite, somebody wrote, Boss Baby, a.k.a. Trump. <laughs> oh. So good, good, good to you, uh, who, whoever wrote that. I, I really appreciated that funny response. Uh, this week's poll, simple yet maybe deceptive. Not sure. Favorite Star Wars film? Ooh, it's Empire, man. It's got to be Empire. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I don't think anyone's really going to object to that. Uh, I like Force Awakens. No, that's it's, actually it, my second favorite. But yeah, I yeah, but it's not. It it's not one. like an all timer. I mean, it's just not like Empire is what created so much of the Star Wars mythology. You know, and I think um, with like the polls, usually um, with our polls, uh, newer movies tend to do better. But in this case, I think uh, all the films are on an even playing field. So I think Empire will win. What do you think comes in last? Attack of the fucking clones. Nobody yeah, likes that. I would hope so. I hate sand. It's coarse and it's rough. And it gets everywhere. The Phantom Menace gets a lot of hate. But the Phantom Menace, you know, the final fight scene, Liam Neeson, John Williams' Duel of the Fates track. There are some good things to say about the Phantom Menace, even if it was disappointing. There is nothing good I can say about Attack of the Clones. I, I threw in a little twist into the poll. Um but I know it's not going to win. Um, I did throw in The Last Jedi for those that did get to see it early and for those that will get to see it again throughout the week, especially if they want to vote Thursday or Friday night. So we'll see. I mean, that could be very interesting. I, you know, obviously the reactions are pretty, uh, pretty wild right now. So who knows? Um, in any event, though, yes, I do think that Empire Strikes Back is going to win the poll. I'm actually more curious to see what comes in second place. If it's going to be the original, if it's going to be Force Awakens, um, and obviously to see if anybody just votes for Last Jedi just because. <laughs> <laughs> for the hell of it, yeah. Yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, okay. Now, we come to the main event, guys. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. It is time to talk about our Golden Globe nomination and SAG predictions. Um, Deanne is not here, as I said before. Um, so uh, I have everybody's predictions written out. Um, let's tackle this one at a time here. Uh, best Picture, Drama, Golden Globes. We are all in agreement. Okay, We are all in agreement on four movies getting in. Call Me By Your Name, The Post, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Where we differ... Uh, the four of us on this podcast right now have Dunkirk getting in. Deanne is the only holdout. She has the Florida Project getting in. Ooh. Well, and in that article that I wrote about the Golden Globe nominations, I mentioned that the Florida Project could be a potential spoiler in the same way that we were talking about it a few minutes ago with Sean Baker. So I don't think that's uh, a random... I don't think it's... I don't think her prediction's random at all. No. But with Hollywood foreign press, they tend to go more European a lot of the time. So I would think films like Darkest Hour even, I mean, I'd have Dunkirk and The Five, 
but I would put Darkest Hour above the Florida Project just because of its history and who that appeals to. Oh yeah, like I had Darkest Hour into the very last minute before I sent Matt my predictions, and I swapped it out for three billboards. Like, here's what I'm going to say about uh, the Golden Globe drama category: Do not, I repeat, do not be surprised if Wonder Woman somehow gets in there. Oh yeah, I think that's a realistic and Gal Gadot, I think too. Yeah, I don't have that happening, but I recognize the fact that it is possible. What about Phantom Thread? No. No. And um, on the subject of Wonder Woman, real real quick, there's no guaranteed Oscar nomination. And if it doesn't get nominated for anything, there is going to be so much outrage like on nomination morning. That will be the the big talker, I think. What's interesting though about that? Because I'm prepared. Uh, I've already prepared like my statement about Wonder Woman, I'm not prepared to say, uh, you know, but, 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 but Lady Bird. People, I, I feel like people just aren't going to take that for an answer. I don't know. It's going to be, I, it's going to be I, rough. I, I mean, listen, I, I get it, you know, I, I, but with that said, I think Wonder Woman is showing up at least in one category on Oscar nomination. I, th- I honestly, I think costumes is where people are really underestimating it because it's both fantasy and period piece. The way to reward the film. It would be totally deserved. Like, so, and yeah. And it's popped up at Critics' Choice, I think, in costumes. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. But We'll see. Uh, best uh, picture comedy musical. Uh, this is very, very wild. Uh, so, the ones that we all agree on. We all agree on Lady Bird, Get Out, and The Disaster Artist. All right? So... Myself, Michael, Ryan, and Deanne have the big sick. Will- oh my god, did I? Oh, I, I, I must have completely forgotten the big sick existed. I meant to have the big sick. All right, so then you originally sent me, Will, that you had I, Tanya, and Battle of the Sexes. Which one of those two would you drop? Oh, definitely Battle of the Sexes. That was one I was picking by necessity. I completely forgot about the big sick. Yeah, yeah that was... Uh- I was like, really? He's gonna... Uh, okay. Oh, no, no. no I, okay, yeah, no, I... The big sick all the way, and then keep I, Tanya in. Uh, what might be the shocker of the century, I am predicting Beauty and the Beast and Michael isn't. That is quite odd, I think. Yeah, and I think you're going to be right, actually. I just don't know what to drop for it. Um, I chose to drop uh, I, Tanya. Me too. I think you're going to be right on that, because they usually go for a musical when they have the chance. And Greatest Showman is not that film. The Greatest Showman, we can talk about this later, will probably get actor for Hugh Jackman. But from what I understand, that is just a purely commercial play. They're not campaigning it for any Oscars or even Globes that much for that matter. Has Embargo broken on that yet? It's not breaking until the day of release. That's a bad sign. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Best Director. Okay, we are all in agreement on Nolan, Spielberg, and Del Toro. Um, Myself and Michael... Uh, we have Jordan Peele, uh, Luca Guadagnino, Michael, Ryan, Deanne, and Will, and Greta Gerwig, uh, myself, Ryan, Deanne, and Will. So once again, as we were saying kind of earlier about the director race, it's so fluid. Anyone can come and go out of it. I have noticed that Golden Globes tend to go with the um, the cool choices, so to speak. You know, uh, if anyone remembers, like David Fincher and Ava DuVernay got in for director uh, that year. Uh, 
I feel this is where Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele both make it. But like I was saying earlier, I don't expect that this is our five for Oscar. See, now, like, I don't I, I struggled with this, too, because I don't think the Hollywood Foreign Press, are, they're going to go for Jordan Peele as much as they will go for um, Gerwig. I just don't think that's it. It's the type of directing that they typically like to nominate as opposed to, be, to, to Guadagnino. totally fair. I don't know why anyone is necessarily going for Greta other than the fact that she made a film that flows very well and everybody likes. But sometimes that's enough. There's poetry in the movie, though. It's, no, it, it is. I mean, it's a fairly... It, no, but I mean, like, if you think about it, the film is very well paced. That is in part due to the editing, but that is also due to her. Uh, it has some interesting camera work at times, you know, some very Wes Anderson-esque framing. It's got some nice dollies. It's an energetic film. I can think of less deserving Best Director nominees that have gotten in in the past. All right. Best Actor in a Drama. Uh, we are all in agreement on Timothy, Daniel Day-Lewis, Tom Hanks, and Gary Oldman. For the fifth slot, myself, Michael, and Will have Jake Gyllenhaal. Ryan, you've got Christian Bale for Hostels. And Deanne is going with Jeremy Renner. I could see Bale or Renner happening. I really can. <laughs> I, I had Gyllenhaal like, in my predictions up until maybe a week ago. And I switched it to Bale. He just uh, Bale got a nomination recently. Was it Hostels? I don't know. But after I saw that, I was like, okay, the Glo- this is the type of late breaking performance that the Globes will probably go for. And maybe they've forgotten about Joan Hall. I don't know because I was predicting Jake Joan Hall to get a nomination, a Golden Globe nomination for Southpaw, which never materialized. So huh. I'm like, that, that's why I, that's my thinking there. I just remember how Nightcrawler was embraced by Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG Critics' Choice, and didn't make it into Oscar. And this being such Oscar bait, um, I, you know, and he got Critics' Choice, remember. Um, I think that that will continue with Golden Globe, and I think something like SAG is going to be more difficult. But, you know, Bale and Renner, uh, those two are definitely the spoilers here. That Either one of those, I'm, I'm not writing that off. One of them could happen. Uh, best actress in a drama. We are all in agreement on Frances McDormand, Meryl Streep, and that is it. Um, oh, oh, and uh, Sally Hawkins, right? Yeah, Sally, Haw- Sally, Sally Hawkins. Hawkins. Sorry, yeah, Sally Hawkins. Um, four of us: myself, Michael, Deanne, and Will. We have Jessica Chastain, Michael, Ryan, and Will. You have Annette Bening, and myself, Deanne, and Ryan have Jennifer Lawrence. See, I may be making a stupid decision by not including Jessica Chastain. I don't know. I just I have a feeling about Benning and Lawrence. I don't know. And J- Chastain, just, I don't know. I, I, I'll probably be wrong, but I, I I'm just sticking my neck out. I went with film getting into song, uh, but I, I just, Jennifer Lawrence is a star. Golden Globes love stars. And they love her. She's won yeah. three, she's gone three for three for her last films. Like <sighs> That's tough. So I have a theory here that I'm not predicting her, but I do have this gut feeling that somebody could show up here who we are not expecting. I give some credit to Chris Tapley for raising the theory that, get ready for this, Diane Kruger makes it in for In the Fade. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, they, they like <sighs> European performances that like that. That freaking movie. It's I, not for the movie. It's I know. for her. I know. I hated that movie. That said, I am predicting the movie for foreign film at the Golden Globes. I, I hope they are so much smarter than that. I really do. But I would not I would not object to her 
I think she is amazing in it. Best actor in a comedy musical. We are all in agreement on Franco, Kaluuya, Nanjiani. The last two. Um, myself, Ryan, and Deanne are going with Steve Carell for Battle of the Sexes. Michael, Ryan, and Will. You guys are going with Hugh Jackman. I'm not. Uh, I am, however, going with Adam Sandler for Meyerwood Stories, as is Deanne and Will. And Michael, this 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 one, I, I you know what? I I raised an eyebrow, but I, I get it. Tom Cruise for American Made. Tapley's predicting that too. Oh man, that's that's a good one. He's really he's really, really good in that movie. Last year you had Jonah Hill and War Dogs. Yeah. And they do love Tom Cruise when he brings it. Like remember Tropic Thunder? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a done deal. Like you said, you have Carell, Sandler, uh, even Donald Sutherland for the Leisure Seeker. Oh, but that's not that's not that's not getting a, a release this year. That's getting released next year. No, that's uh, no. Sony's campaigning still. it this year. You seriously? Uh huh. Yeah. It's on our FIC site, Matt. Yeah. Okay. You posted it there. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the of that line in the disasters. The line that you, that you wrote. yourself wrote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best actress comedy musical. We are all in agreement on Sersha, Margot, Emma Stone. That's it. Uh, where we differ. Myself, Michael, Ryan, Will, all four of us, Judy Dench, Victoria and Abdul, Deanne is the holdout. Deanne, I gotta admit, is going with some wild picks here. Um She's going with Aubrey Plaza for Ingrid Goes West and Zoe Kazan for The Big Sick. Oh, wow. I would love if Aubrey got in. Yeah. Oh, God, that would be so amazing. Yeah, that would be very inspired. Uh, speaking of inspired, though, Michael, you yourself are the only one to think that Selma Hayek is going to get in for Beatrice to dinner. I don't have Selma Hayek in there, do I? You do. Uh, yes, you do. Oh, well, I should have had Emma Watson because Selma Hayek's going drama. Oh, well, okay, never mind. Um, I myself am going with Emma Watson uh, because of, you know, to kind of correlate with my best yeah. picture prediction for that film. Uh, so is Ryan and Will, you too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. She's like, this is the perfect, like, nomination for her. You know, she's she has the star, you know, stardom. She has the box office. She has the movie. She has the role. They're going to go for it. Yeah. So, Ma- Michael, do you have Soma Hayek in Best Actress Drama? No, I don't have her getting in anywhere. I just know that they're campaigning her there. I probably copied the wrong set of predictions. You guys. Well, uh, can I ask a question though? Do you think? Do we think Emma Watson can get in to Best Actress if Beauty and the Beast misses Best Picture? Because I don't. I think so. I I don't. That's why I have it in. <laughs> just because it's like a category by category basis. I mean, who else is going to get in? Um, Audrey Plaza is a bit of a stretch to really happen. Then you have like, who Helen Mirren, the Leisure Seeker, and Deborah Winger and the Lovers. It gets really shaky after those four or five. Best supporting actor: Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project, Army Hammer, Call Me by Your Name, Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. We're all in agreement. Uh, the major outlier here is uh, Ryan. You're going with Jason Mitchell from Mudbound. Nobody else is. Yeah, I just think uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press is going to – I feel like their supporting predictions – I mean, their supporting nominations are often not um, what we're looking for or what, like, the SAG or Oscar nominations typically are. And I think this is a good way of throwing in some diversity and, yeah. I think they're going to, like, mudbound more than anyone else. 
Except for SAG. Uh, Richard Jenkins has support from Michael, Deanne, and Will. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg has support from both Michael and Will. I, I see. I don't think both of the guys are making it, but this is where this. These are two uh, that are very interesting. Myself and Deanne think Idris Elba from Molly's Game could happen. Hmm. Um, and then me and Ryan think Christopher Plummer for all the money in the world could happen. Which they have seen. They saw an early cut of the movie. Oh yeah, they're gonna go. I think I think that's gonna be the surprise nomination, and they're just gonna tap into all the um, political um, na- narrative that's been going on with that film, and how shocking it was that he was recast at such the last minute. He's like, my number six. I do think it could happen. Supporting actress. All of us are in agreement for Laurie Metcalf, Elsa Janney, and Holly Hunter. Uh, Mary J. Blige comes in next. Uh, Deanne is the holdout there. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, uh, right underneath her. Uh, the holdout there is Michael and Ryan. Uh, and then as far as the outliers go here, uh, Ryan, you are going with Melissa Leo from Novitiate. Deanne's going with Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. And Michael, you are on that Octavia Spencer train. I think if Melissa Leo performs um, this week, I think this is her best bet. I have Leo getting it at SAG. I don't have her getting it here. My darling husband. Sorry, I just like to make fun of that performance a lot. Continue. That was so out of context since I haven't seen the performance. <laughs> can I make a con- can I make a, a a stand right now to try and convince Michael that Tiffany Haddish for Girls Trip, if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to be at Globes? She's my six. Uh, I think it could definitely happen at SAG, too. But, Matt, I I disagree because Melissa McCarthy, she uh, she was nominated everywhere except for the Globes for Bridesmaids. So... I don't know. I mean, you're, it's it's possible, but I think I don't think it's that do or die. And just to be clear, she is not being campaigned for actress in a comedy musical. Am I correct? I was wondering that. Dude, I haven't seen a single FYC posted. I mean, isn't there a world where she just shows up in lead actress on Monday and takes that final slot that we were kind of wondering about, and we're just like, oh. Huh. I mean, it would make sense, right? To a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, she's got a pretty significant role in there. If they've they've had worse fraud in that category in the past. Best screenplay. We are all over the place. Uh, Get Out, Lady Bird, Three Billboards. We're all in agreement. Uh, after that, Call Me By Your Name, Michael, Ryan, and Will, Shape of Water, myself, Ryan, and Deanne, The Big Sick, Michael and Deanne, Molly's Game, myself and Will. Ooh. Um, I don't know, guys. I... I I feel like they just love Sorkin. <laughs> I really do. You know, he always seems to get in here even when he misses an Oscar. Um, that, uh, this, is, this is the toughest category for the record because of how many contenders are in original and then they have to mix it with adapted. Didn't he win for Steve Jobs? He did. That's a good call. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that one. Best original score. Uh... There is a, uh, there is only one uh, f- no two there are two films that we all agree on Dunkirk and The Shape of Water. After that, uh, myself, Michael, Deanne, and Will, Darkest Hour, uh, Phantom Thread, myself, Michael, Deanne, and Will, uh, The Post, myself, Michael, Ryan, and Deanne. Ryan, I don't know what you're smoking. Blade Runner 2049 and Victorian Abdul. I don't know. They go with like, their score um, nominations are out there sometimes and don't necessarily correlate to Oscar or BAFTA. And I don't know. 
that yeah I, when i got to these last categories i kind of i started taking some chances speaking of chances will coco yeah i think tackley <laughs> was predicting that as well copy and paste much no i just honestly it felt right to me you know i haven't seen the film yet but you've listened to the music yes all right and it just, in an absence of a clear front runner, it seemed as good a choice as any. All right, and then uh, the most impossible category to predict, best original song. Uh, we are all in agreement, actually, believe it or not, on uh, two of these here. And that is uh, for This Is Me for The Greatest Showman and Evermore from Beauty and the Beast. The two films that are musicals. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, remember Me, uh, myself, Michael, Ryan, and Deanne, Will's the holdout there. Uh, Mystery of Love, though, uh, Will comes back to bat for that with Ryan and Deanne. You shouldn't look at me that way. Film stars don't die in Liverpool. Myself, Michael, and Will. I don't want to live forever. Michael and Will from Fifty Shades Darker. Uh, Mighty River, oh, myself, and Deanne. I, I need to move Will from Fifty Shades to Remember Me. Uh, okay. And never forget Murder on the Orient Express, Ryan. That's probably the most inspired choice I've heard yet. Oh, yeah, that is a good call. Um, uh, so to, to, to draw a dart, I say, uh, with this one. Uh, best animated film, uh, we all have The Breadwinner, Coco, Ferdinand, and the Lego Batman movie. The last uh, slot, uh, Michael and Ryan are going with Loving Vincent, uh, The Boss Baby, uh, myself, Deanne, and Will. I don't know why. I just loving Vincent. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that boss baby campaign is going to pay off somewhere. It makes me so mad too because I like. Yeah. I'm terrified it's going to get the Oscar nomination too. I mean, it is everywhere. And finally, in the last category here, uh, best foreign language film. Uh, we have some uh, once again some inspired choices here again, but we all are in agreement for uh, first they kill my father and BPM beats per minute. I mean, first they kill my father. You know, just. The opportunity to have Angelina at the Golden Globes. Right. Uh, how do you pass that up? Well, actually, they did a few years ago with Unbroken. Yeah, but that wasn't that great. But then they nom- didn't they nominate her for her uh, Bosnian war movie? Yeah. I mean, like, so, <laughs> particularly in this category, they want her there. Uh, a fantastic women, uh, woman. Uh, everyone is predicting that, but Ryan. Uh, Ryan, you, you got... I should be, yeah. I was going to say, you got Delma in there. Yeah, I should have I should have switched that. Uh, myself, Michael, and Will are going with In the Fade. Uh, myself, Deanne, and Will, The Square. And then this is where it gets weird. Uh, Ryan and Deanne are going with Foxtrot, The Insult, Michael and Will, Loveless Will. Ryan, Tom of Finland, where did that come from? I don't know. I was, I don't know. I'm not great with foreign language, especially at the Globes, because the Globes are often different than... The Oscars. I don't know. Just ignore me. Okay. Best supporting actor, female. We have moved on to SAG. Okay, guys. Heavy hitting time. Here we go. We are all in agreement of Holly Hunter, Allison Janney, and Lori Metcalf. Mary J. Blige. I am not picking Mary J. Blige for this. Uh, hmm. But everybody else is. Um, instead, I put my vote uh, towards... Melissa Leo for Novitiate, like I was saying before. Um, Tiffany Haddish for Girls Trip. Uh, myself, Deanne, and Will are going with uh, Haddish here. Uh, and then Michael and Ryan, you guys are going with Octavia Spencer. Same as the Globes. 
Speaking of coattail nominations, if Octavia Spencer gets nominated for Shape of Water, I think that would be an example of um, a coattail nomination this year. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. So, and Blige I have in there um, with Spencer. I think uh, SAG really likes to throw as much um, racial diversity into their nominations as possible. Um, so that's why I went with Blige, but I, I'm not predicting Blige for an Oscar nomination. So, at this so point. here's my thing I decided to do with SAG this year with my predictions. With the exception of Best Actress, I decided I was going to pick one performance in each category that was like the huh performance. Um, and I don't, I, I know this isn't, isn't so much of a huh, but, but just ba- based on how far she's fallen in the uh, season, uh, Melissa Leo got that for me here. You know, that, that, that feeling of like, oh, I guess this isn't as dead as we thought. You know what I mean? Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, moving over to Best Supporting Actor, um, my huh nomination went to uh, Patrick Stewart for Logan, um, but looks like Will's in agreement with me. Uh, as he was saying before, if he could show up anywhere, it's probably going to be here. Uh, Michael, you and Deanne are going with Jason Mitchell for Mudbound. You really think you think that could pay off? Well, I do, and it'll make more sense as we get to other categories. Fair. Um, I wonder which category that could be. Uh, then we are all in agreement on uh, Willem Dafoe, Sam Rockwell. Those are the only two that everybody thinks is making it in. I do not think Army Hammer is making it in here, and I'm the only one who doesn't think hmm. so. See, this is where I do have the Call Me By Your Name men splitting, but I think Stuhlbarg is the one who misses. And I think Stuhlbarg gets in based upon what a great freaking year he's had. You know, he's worked with everybody. Yes. But I think he'll be rewarded later. Stay tuned. <laughs> all right. And then I have Richard Jenkins. Uh, we all do, except for Deanne. Deanne does not have Jenkins. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll comment on Call Me By Your Name in a minute here when we get to Ensemble. Lead actor, female. We all have Francis, Margot, Sersha, and Meryl Streep. I had to pick a what there's always going to be one just uh, nomination and this is where I have it happening. Raggy, like the, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Annette Benning? Yeah, I do have Annette Benning because they're campaigning the hell out of her and this seems like one of those that's going to show up here and then not go any further. It makes sense. This seems like the place. I was considering her. Oh god, I just hate that it has to be at the expense of Sally. That's so upsetting to me. That would be very interesting because this is where we first got the sign that Annette Benning wasn't doing well last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, best lead actor, male. We are all in agreement for Timothy, Daniel, Gary. James Franco's got three of us thinking it will happen, and that's Michael, Ryan, and Deanne. You think uh, he's going to miss, Matt? Yeah, I do. Oh, wait. I was going to say, why do you think he's going to miss? Oh, 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 I remember. Because you, for some reason, like Michael won't get off Octavia Spencer, you will not get off Daniel Kaluuya. No, I, um, then I meant yeah. to have, uh, no, I meant to have Franco over Hanks then. Oh, okay. Yo, what is up with, guys, what are up with these predictions, all right? Uh, so for Hanks then, only Michael and Ryan think Hanks is getting in. I'm more interested why you don't think Franco gets in, Matt. Like, this is the Screen Actors Guild. It's a movie yeah. about actors. Because I... <sighs> I have Jake Gyllenhaal getting in because, once again, he got in for Nightcrawler for SAG. A movie that people remembered. (laughs) And my last choice, and this is my haunt, is I think James (laughs) McAvoy is getting in for Split. Uh, That'd make me so happy. 
you know, you want to talk about actors rewarding uh, actors giving performances. He gives freaking 12, 13 performances in that movie. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Finally, best ensemble. AKA the Michael Stuhlbarg Award. For uh, Mudbound, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Lady Bird. Those three are the three that we all think are getting in. Who doesn't have the post? Deanne. Deanne. With that cast? Ooh, wow. I cannot fathom that missing. Deanne instead has her votes going to Call Me By Your Name and The Shape of Water. The post is not missing here. This, I mean, even if the film wasn't particularly good with that cast, it would basically be guaranteed to slot. So uh, here's the thing, guys. Uh, this early on in the season, because uh, like I was saying before, and I'm tying this all back together now, we're talking so much about films that – uh, have a chance to win, and I, I've been trying to construct pathways for these films. The, the most difficult thing about these pathways right now are all of them are plausible at this stage in the game, and it makes predicting the SAG ensemble really hard if you're going to choose to adhere to the, oh, the Best Picture winner has to have a SAG ensemble nomination. Like, we're, I think we're all in agreement that Mudbound is not winning Best Picture, but we're giving it a slot here. You know, so that immediately now only leaves four slots for four scenarios in your mind. And I think the best way to do it is you have to say to yourself, which are the four films that are most likely to win Best Picture? Uh, hey, Matt, on the site, you have me predicting three billboards. And on the thing I sent you, I have The Shape of Water. Oh, that's a mistake then. Thank you. Speaking of, because I, I made that decision for this specific reason of what you're talking about, um, of what films could win Best Picture. Well, I mean, Call Me By Your Name, Deanne and Will. Here's my reason why I don't think Call Me By Your Name is getting in here. Um, it's really only those three performances. And if La La Land couldn't get in for two. Um, and granted, this is, I, I know someone's going to be like, well, piece of no nation, you know, um, fine. But also, too, uh, the other day with North Texas nominations and um, – that film not showing up in a single category and the reasons that we were told were because Sony Pictures Classic has not gotten screeners out. And I've been hearing a lot about how that doesn't just per, uh, pertain to the critics groups. That's also happening with SAG. Uh, a lot of SAG members have not gotten screeners from Sony Pictures Classics. But that's different because with the SAG members, they're not all voting on the nominations. They have a committee that votes on them. All right, so maybe the little impact wins then in that instance. Still, um, I... Okay, so my my huh prediction here, because there always seems to be one in ensemble, um, I'm going ballsy with the Florida Project. It's a possibility. Who would be considered part of that ensemble by their weird arbitrary rules? That's uh, Brooklyn, Bria, Willem. Would it just be those three? Like, are they the only three who get their own title cards? And who, uh, like, is this a beast of no nation situation? Probably. Hmm. I don't know. It's like, do I wanted? I, I, oh God, See, Ryan, not that you I'm doing getting... these predictions like the big surprise. But if I were, I would say the big sick. That'd be so great. What, guys, none of us have Dunkirk predicted. Um, is that because we all think Dunkirk is not going to win Best Picture? Like there is no world where it can happen. Oh, it can happen. I just don't think. Then it why can. are you not predicting it for SAG Ensemble? Because you're the one who said that the staff was going to break this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, 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 this is the this is the one time where you all listen to me. <laughs> you know, I, God, Dunkirk's going to win SAG Stunt Ensemble. We all agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
so I have um, I have Get Out getting in on Best Ensemble, and I think that's going to be the huh um, nominee. And I agree with that too. That wouldn't oh, be that cool. out of left field, though. I mean, like I've seen a lot of people predict that, and it's been out forever. Like, and I think that the uh, this group of voters will very much like Get Out, and this will be their place to stick it in for this award show. Uh, yeah, I. I've been racking my brain with this. I this is this is like the hardest thing uh, for me. I, I can't. And and you know what's going to end up happening? Uh, this is the thing that pisses me off. When the nominations come out this week and something is left off, everybody is going to say, "Well, that film now can't win Best Picture." And you know what's going to end up happening? We could potentially be misguided throughout the whole season to think that something now is not winning, like. I, I just want to ask, like, like Michael, Will, uh, Ryan, what if the post does miss here? Well, I guess oh, I think then it, then it's out of the running, I think. For that film specifically, not, not getting in this category, then there's an issue. Is there? Yes. No, really? But if, I, I can't say the same. I can't say with the same firmness about Dunkirk. Dunkirk is... Um, not an ensemble movie like The Post. Right. Um, I still think its chances if would Lady decrease. Bird, if Lady Bird misses here, do you still have that same confidence for writing it off? Yes, I would write either of them off if they miss here, because it would be like La La Land, sort of, where these movies <laughs> get in on the strength of what the people think of the movie itself, not necessarily on the ensemble. Like, that's exactly why Beasts of No Nations got in, because they love the movie itself. I don't know. There are nominations that support that, and there are nominations that don't. Like I don't know. Do we could like Captain Fantastic wasn't the most universally loved film, but that was a film that recognized the ensemble of all the kids, and you know what I mean. Well, I think that was a universally loved film among the SAG voters because they really marketed it to them in the right way. They got them to watch the screeners, and that's what worked in its favor. People did like that movie. Hearts will be broken. That's all I can say. I do think, though, that there are the three secure ones. There are The Post, Three Billboards, and Lady Bird. Final trailer before we get to news. Uh, big blockbuster coming out next summer, uh, directed by J.A. Bayona, who directed uh, Monster Calls and The Impossible. Uh, this is the sequel to Jurassic World. This is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So, uh, what are you dating like an accountant now? Or? Owen. Ventriloquist? Stop it. You love a dummy. This is not why we're here. You can blame me. I know why we're here. A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Blue is alive. You raised her. (laughs) Do these animals deserve the same protections given to other species? Or should they just be left to die? These creatures were here before us. And if we're not careful, they're going to be here after.
Life cannot be contained. Life breaks free. Life finds a way. Okay, all right, all right, listen. Before we all start just complaining and going, ugh, you know, because granted, Jurassic World is not great, like, at all. Um, anyone else have, like, any kind of confidence that because Jay Bayona is directing this, that this could be decent? No, no, I don't. Mm-mm. I think it's going to be pretty bad. Well, he- here's the thing. I think I'm going to surprise a few people when I say this. I actually like Jurassic World. Yeah, I'm, I am surprised. <laughs> I, I like that whole franchise, the whole Jurassic Park universe. So I don't go to these movies for, like, rich cinematic quality. Maybe the Biona will bring something new to it. But I think on its own, this could just be an entertaining dinosaur movie. I, I think the visuals are at least somewhat interesting. I, I just don't like the plot. Uh, will, I'm sure you probably have thoughts on that plot, too. Gotta save the dinosaurs from the volcano. Yeah, I mean, I, as some have pointed out, it's basically the lost world. I mean, oh, we go back to the... Or Jurassic Park 3. I mean, it could not be more been there, done that. And then, oh, we're putting an exploding volcano on there. Oh, okay. It just... It, it feels redundant. And it's also just dumb. But the other thing uh, is... Uh, 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 we also have uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum, everybody. And it looks like he's not going to the island. It looks like they're getting him in there just to be like, look, we brought Jeff Goldblum back. And it looks like he's, you know, he's, he's staying back home and doing press releases. But also, one thing I don't like <laughs> about these new Jurassic Park films is that while the, the original three were fun... Well, I, I won't include three, but they also took themselves kind of seriously. There was a desire to make them kind of scary because let, let's be clear, dinosaurs are a little bit scary. They've gotten so far in the humor front. There's nothing frightening about these films. They're going full, like, let's make them goofy comedy. And something is lost with that. And that is continu- that is a trend that's continuing on to here, it looks like. Yeah, something is lost. It's uh, the world itself. Ah! Get it? Lost world. God damn it. But here's the big question about this movie. Will Bryce Dallas Howard be in Sensible Shoes? That is the big question. Hmm. Guess we'll find out this summer. Guess we will. Okay, Will, news of the week. Will, whatever is left, essentially. Uh, take us home, man. All right, so this week, um, Brian Singer is gone from the Queen film uh to the surprise of no one this has been a long time coming um so they've replaced him already with dexter fletcher who directed eddie the eagle last year he also if you want to look on youtube um probably provided the single worst american accent in screen history in some tv show he was back in the day he's supposed to be a guy from like georgia and he comes in and he starts speaking like hey hey get out of the road you jackass what are you doing like you know so, because they only told him he was going to be American the day of. So that's a fun little aside. Ryan Reynolds is playing Pikachu in the Pokemon movie, which is one of the oh God. more surprising casting choices I've heard in some time. I didn't know Pikachu could speak more than his name. I thought he was like Groot. Um, uh, Matt, you'll like this. Matt Shackman, who pulled off one of the best uh, action sequences in Game of Thrones history this year is not coming back for season eight, but he's going to be directing the Phantom Tollbooth, 
which uh, if you re- <laughs> the spiritual sequel to Phantom Thread. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember that? Did you ever read that book when you were a kid? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Phantom Tollbooth. Yeah, he's so he's directing an adaptation of that. Um, James Mangold has like seven projects on the docket right now, but supposedly the one that's about to be his priority. Uh, they're moving up to make happen as quickly as possible is uh, this Patty Hearst film starring Elle Fanning, which should be interesting. And basically that's, does anyone know the real life story on that? Yeah, that's a really interesting story. I had no idea this was even in development. She, uh, yeah, she got, she was a wealthy heiress and she got kidnapped by this, uh, this terrorist group and ends up joining up with them. And I think coming to lead it. Is that correct, Michael? Yeah, it's a very complex and interesting story, and it sounds like it could be quite the role for Fanning. Oh, yeah, I think that's that's her Oscar nomination. And James Mangold, you know, he's he's a good director. So he has so many projects right now, but that that's going to be his next one. And then finally, Quentin Tarantino and J.J. Abrams are teaming up for an R-rated Star Trek movie, which is just, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about it, but it sounds awesome. I, I have been saying for years that, for Quentin Tarantino's last like movies that he has left in his filmography, I, I always wanted to see one of one of these two, either a film about uh, medieval times and he comments on r- religion in you know his Tarantino esque way, or Tarantino in space. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? <laughs> Admittedly, yes. Like, like blood floating in the sky, and you know, because like, you know what you know what he's going to end up doing. Patrick Stewart has expressed interest in this as coming back as Picard. Hmm. Oh my god! Oh my god! That'd be incredible. You know, imagine, and I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, Tarantino loves the western genre so much. I mean, like he's definitely going to try to make a spaghetti western in space. I. Uh, Random side note, Wonder just broke a hundred million today. You know, that we were talking about if it continues to make good money. for that movie. It's I think, yeah, I, I good, good for them. I, I do think this is gonna end up being our fifth adapted screenplay nominee. That was pretty much it. There I mean, I, I missed last week. There was other news I wanted to cover last week, but I don't really that it's that's old news. So uh that's pretty much it for this week, other than the many, many critics awards that have happened. And um if you if this happens to be released on a Sunday, we have a lot of awards coming today. Basically, all of them starting now. I will not probably be able to get this up until this evening because uh, those awards will keep me very, very busy. But I do want to get this up before uh, Monday so that everyone can listen to our thoughts on the Golden Globes and on the SAGs. Uh, SAGs. SAG. SAG Awards. Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, listening to this episode here with us. Uh, Mr. Michael Schwartz, where can I find you on the internet? As always, you can find me on Twitter at MikeMovie, and I will look forward to joining everyone again in the new year. I'm taking a few weeks off for vacation, so enjoy all the holidays and the Oscar movies, and we will talk again right before Oscar nominations. Thank God. No, I'm kidding. Enjoy your trip, (laughs) bud. I hope you have a great time. Yes, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Happy holidays, everyone. Ryan C. Showers, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me at Ryan C. Showers on Twitter. And Will Mavity. You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. All right, and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 68 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback. And as always, we will see you all next time.
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.